0: Our reading this evening is from Mark chapter 4, verse 21 to 34. He said to them, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. He also said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scattered seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, He puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. Again he said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet, when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all the garden plants. With such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable, but when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything.
1: Thank you, Jill, Um, and it's lovely to see you all here this evening, and um, uh, we may be smaller in number, but um, very precious um, despite that. Um, We can just uh, pray, and then um, we'll have a look at God's Word. So let's pray together. Father God, thank you for your Word, that is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. May you guide me as I share your Word, and may your Holy Spirit move within us to set our hearts on fire and encourage us as we grow in our knowledge and love of you and our love for others. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Please keep your Bibles open, uh, because I'll be continually referring to um, the passage that Jill's just read to us. Um, So this evening we're going to look at those three parables. um, Three parables which uh, in Mark, which uh, follow on from the parable of the sower that Colin spoke to us on a couple of weeks ago. Um, Three parables which you probably feel are are very familiar. Uh, Certainly when I looked at them, I thought, well, these are three very familiar parables to me. But actually, the more that I kind of looked into them, and more I prayed about them, and and, and, uh, the more I kind of found that there was more to unpack, perhaps, than than I appreciated. So I hope that you find that also this evening. Um, What are parables? They're they're, uh, simple, practical stories that illustrate... Uh, significant spiritual truths. Uh, And Jesus used stories that would have made perfect sense uh, to his listeners uh, because they were based on everyday things that they were very familiar with. Um, But uh, what was interesting uh, and what I found quite interesting is the fact that although they would have identified with the stories that Jesus told them, uh, actually the significant spiritual truths that they illustrate uh, were not necessarily as obvious to the crowds uh, as we might sometimes think. Um, and it's interesting isn't it as you saw in the story of the sower uh, Jesus said to his disciples "Uh, don't you understand this parable and again in this passage tonight it talks about the fact in verse 34 it says we did not say anything to them without using a parable but when he was alone with his own disciples he explained everything Um, I don't know whether you played that game um, who am I that's the game where somebody sticks a post-it note on your forehead and they write the name of a famous person on it and you have to guess who that is and you ask questions and they can only give yes and no answers Um, so it might be, um, you know, you ask a question you say, is it a woman, they go, yes, it's a woman Um, is it a sports person, yes, it's a sports person Um, is it a sport that involves a ball and you go, yes, it's a sport that involves a ball is it tennis, is it a tennis player, yes, it's a famous tennis player you get to that point and you'd probably lose me because I'm not actually that familiar with many famous lady tennis players. Um, but the point is that, you know, it, what those people, are, what you're seeking to do is you're seeking to find the answer. And I think in, in, um, when Jesus was talking to uh, the crowds in parables, um, he, um, you know, he was talking to them as much as they could understand. And we heard about that in the, in the reading this evening. So the crowd saw the miracles, and they heard Jesus speaking with authority. This was a different teacher to one that they, they, they normally heard, the teachers of the law. Um, they were listening to the stories of what the kingdom of God was like, and many of them will have been anxious to learn more. So they will have come back time and again to try and understand, you know, this, is, this, this person's different. He's talking about the kingdom of God. He's talking about the fact it's drawing near. I want to learn more about it. Of course, others might have thought, oh, I don't know what he's talking about, and they may not have come back. But as we've seen from the Bible, uh, the crowds that Jesus drew were in their thousands. So people really wanted to hear about the word of God. Um, I just want to um, look at um, just a few um, just a few references in Mark to, uh, to the kingdom of God. Um, because they came along and said, who's this Jesus? What's this kingdom of God? This is just a few verses that that come from Mark. It's not all of the, the references to the kingdom of God, and there are many, many within the Bible as a whole, but just a few of them. So in Mark 1, verses 14 to 15, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So Jesus was coming to proclaim the kingdom of God had come near in mark 4:11, he told his disciples the secret of the kingdom of god has been given to you but to those on the outside everything is said in parables isn't it interesting how jesus wanted the disciples to understand what he was talking about so he took them aside and he explained everything so that they understood but for the crowds there was still that sort of sense of i haven't quite got it if the disciples didn't get it the crowds were still trying to work out what it meant they understood perhaps a little bit but not fully what it meant and then in tonight's passage, uh, in Mark 4, 26, he said to them, this is what the kingdom of God is like. And then in verse 30, again he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? So the kingdom of God, I think it's helpful just to keep that, that image in mind. The, the redemptive uh, rule and reign of God in Jesus. Um, the kingdom has a king, the rules and reigns, the king is God. And he's redeeming a world so full of sin and suffering, a fallen world, because we've rebelled against God and gone our own way. It's separated us from God, but the good news, and it's good news for, for all of us, the good news is that God did not leave us in that state But sent Jesus to die for us upon the cross. Um, having set the scene, I'm just going to um, uh, we'll have a look at the passage this evening. I'm going to look at it under three headings. Um, first of all, humbly and eagerly receive God's word and then confidently and patiently trust God's work and sow the seed in others' lives. So we'll just start humbly and eagerly receive God's word. So in verses 21 and 22, uh, Jesus said, Do you bring a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on a stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought into the open. So, I mean, it, it's it's a good picture, isn't it? What is the point of having a light and stick it under a bed or under a bowl? I mean, under a bowl, you probably can't see any of that light. Under the bed, very little of it. Instead, the purpose of that light is to light things up as much as possible. Uh, sorry, this is a bit of a small picture. If you can sort of see it, but it's it's probably a football match. Um, and um, what they've got here, obviously, is they've got the floodlights Um Quite often, sporting events have to be to go on in the evening. It's dark. The only way they can see is to have a, a very, very bright lights up there to to shine um, in order for them to be able to see what they're doing. The the, the fantastic thing about Jesus is that He is the light uh, of the world. He's the He's the lamp of God. In John eight twelve, it says Jesus said, "I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness." Will have the light of life, uh, and as Jesus' followers, we too are the light, and we're expected to carry on the work that Jesus started. In Matthew 5:14, Jesus said, "You are the You are the light of the world." He was talking about about the people, uh, the disciples, and us. You are the light of the world. In verse 16, he said, "In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven." We too are the light of the world. And although Jesus came and fulfilled his mission, he expects us, his followers, to carry on his work. Um, It goes on then to say, I mean, just looking at for for whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought into the open. What I loved was that sense of, um, we've had it with the parable of the sower, that sense of that mystery, God's, that secret. Um, So um, that hidden, the kingdom of God has drawn near. And it's going to be revealed. It's going to be revealed to the crowds, ultimately. It's going to be revealed to the disciples. And it's going to be revealed to us. You hide something in order to reveal it. Whether it's a Christmas present, you hide it before Christmas, but you bring it out on Christmas Day. Whether it's an engagement ring that you hide because you don't want your future, fi- future wife or fiancé to know that you've got it. But then you reveal it when you ask them to marry you. Um, or the surprise birthday party where... You know you know nothing about it, and then suddenly the thing that was hidden is revealed. All all hidden, but with the purpose of being revealed. And the amazing love of God in sending Jesus to live a sinless life on earth in order to pay the ultimate sacrifice on the cross as our substitute so that we can be forgiven and reconciled to God, that was hidden, and yet Jesus, in dying upon the cross, revealed the purpose through that. Uh, the disciples didn't understand until Jesus' resurrection, but it was always destined to be revealed. And aren't we so fortunate that we have the Bible, that we can read about the fact that, you know, we can read the, the parables, we can read the explanation of the parables, we can read the context in which they were said and what Jesus did, and we have the whole of Scripture to be able to help us to understand what it all means. Um, it goes on to say in verse 23, if anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. You've, you've probably done this yourselves, when you can't quite hear what people are saying, and you, you cuff your hands behind your ears, because actually that makes quite a big difference in terms of being able to listen to things. Um, if you have ears to ear, hear, then, then, then let the, you know, anyone who has ears to hear, let them hear. Um, we need to pay attention to what we're hearing, because our life depends on it, and the lives of those that we talk to depend on hearing it. Jesus has come to um, shine a light into a sinful world if you would just listen. So entry into the kingdom as God is through hearing and having heard, believing. I kind of um, think about, imagine you were in complete darkness and somebody said to you, I've got a light, I can help to show you the way. And you go, no, 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 no. I don't want your light. I want to figure it out for myself. And I think that's the, the way of the world for so many people. They don't want that light. They want to figure it out for themselves. But they they can't do it on their own. And once we humbly receive that light, Jesus says, I have more for you. But if you reject the word, your destiny is darkness. In verses 24 and 25, Jesus says, consider carefully what you hear. Or in Matthew, it says, consider carefully how you listen. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And even more, whoever has will be given more Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. The more that we take on board the truth of God's word now, the more that we'll receive in the future. In other words, the more that we read the word and the more that we receive good teaching on the word, live out the word, share the word, the more we'll understand and receive God's blessing. But those who neglect or squander what is given to them, the good news and the blessing they received, in other words, fail to read the word, study and apply it, they will become impoverished and lose even what they have. I'm sure that you've experienced that the more that we seek God, the more we hear. The more that we hear, the more that we desire to hear, the more that we understand what we hear, the more that we are blessed and are a blessing to others. So let's be hungry and eager for more of God and his word and spend time meditating on it. Um, I'd like to look at um, the next um, parable confidently and patiently trust god's work in um, in verses uh, 26 29 uh, jesus says uh, this is what the kingdom of god is like a man scatters seed on the ground night and day whether he sleeps or gets up the seed sprouts and grows though he does not know how all by itself the soil produces grain first the stalk then the head and the full kernel of the head As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. The disciples may have been—I don't know—they may have been somewhat discouraged when they heard the parable of the sower and the seed, because um, you know they realized that the condition of the ground was so significant in terms of you know whether people heard the word and whether they believed in it. Um, But Jesus reminds them that another factor is taking place, uh, and he uses farming as an illustration. The reason for the limitation of the farmer's control is a hidden power at work in the process of gestation and crop-bearing. All by itself, the soil produces grain. There is power for new life and growth without human assistance. I mean, we shouldn't uh, judge uh, just by what's observable. I mean, this, I'm not, I can't tell whether this field has just been planted with, with, with seed or not, but... But, I mean, you wouldn't expect to kind of see it planted with seed and then come back a week or two later and see a a field full of grain. Um, We shouldn't judge by what's necessarily just on the surface because um, there's a hidden energy at work below the surface as the gospel message is preached and enacted. So the reference, actually, in this parable is is very much around the harvest, uh, the coming judgment of the world, the fact that on the final day that God's judgment on the nations, there will be a harvest. But it starts with a seed. God's word is scattered, but the earth produces by itself. God's word is planted, and it does miraculous work all by itself. That's not to say that we don't have a role to play. Uh, but sometimes we mistakenly think that you know it's all down to us. Uh, but it's not. Sometimes we get frustrated that those people that we're praying for um, don't seem to be coming to know Jesus, don't seem to be Um, perhaps growing. Um, Sometimes we're frustrated on ourselves because we want to grow in our knowledge and love of God. We want to mature as Christians, and sometimes we get frustrated because perhaps that's not happening as quickly as we like. But we need to confidently and patiently trust that God's word is working in the lives of others and in our lives, helping us to grow, ready for the harvest, growing in our knowledge and love of God and handing over those parts of our lives that we've been holding back, for ourselves, recognising what it means to serve and growing in confidence and sharing the good news of Jesus with others. So in our lives as we grow as Christians, change sometimes happens quickly, sometimes slowly. But when we meditate on God's word, it does miraculous things in our hearts and in our minds. So let's confidently and patiently trust God's work. So in the final parable tonight, um, we heard about the mustard seed. So Jesus said, what should we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants. With such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. We know that the, we've often heard about the mustard seed being one of the smallest seeds. And um, I quite, please ignore the faith that it's small as mustard seed is true. But the, the reason for showing you that, that, that image tonight is just to show you how small that mustard seed is when you're holding it between your fingers. We know how small it is, and yet we also know how big it can grow. Um, you know, it, from very, very small seed, it can grow to something really big. Now, I mean, this was another encouragement for the disciples because from small beginnings, the kingdom of God was going to be huge um the disciples may have been tempted to think well you know already they may have been tempted to think well the task is pretty hopeless we've got all the religious leaders against us they're all trying to trip jesus up you know our families and friends don't understand why we're following jesus and what's going on um you know what kind of a challenge we've got ahead of us and yet there is that knowledge that actually the kingdom of god is going to grow hugely um it was lovely seeing shanti's story earlier on this evening because um you know it, it, She was believing in God despite the fact there was discrimination and violence. There was anger from family. There was a, the, her, her husband was, was, was beating her up. Um, despite that, she believed in God and she clung to that. And, and it's amazing the way that God then transformed her life and actually touched the heart of her husband as well. There are an estimated 2.3 billion Christians in the world today. But while Christianity is struggling in Europe and in some extent North America, uh, other parts of the world, Africa, Asia, South America, it's growing. I think a key reason for that is probably because in in, in Europe and and North America quite often our affluence prevents us um, from actually being as close to God as, as we should be. Because we put other things in its place, but it's job or wealth, family, friends, supporting charitable activities, not all bad in themselves, but not for what we were created for, not to put in the center of our lives. So when we recognize who God is and what he's done for us, we see the importance, we have the desire to put God in the center of our lives. One assessment I read said that um, one reason for the growth of the church in Africa uh, was down to abundant and bold prayer. And um, they were saying that it wasn't unusual for churches to commit between 50 and 100 days per year on fasting and prayer. And I thought wow that 's amazing! I mean, even if we only spent maybe five days away, a year on fasting and prayer, it might be amazing what God would do in terms of you know, just speaking to us and, and guiding us in what we do it 's easier for us to rely on our many resources than to rely on God, and in the process, we lose the privilege of depending on God every day in the global South, people often have no choice but to re- live, rely on God to meet their needs. So we need to recognize the importance of being dependent on God for everything. And we're called to share the word, the good news about what God has done through Jesus. Um, We've all got things in our lives that we're passionate about. Um, Quite often, you know, they're families or hobbies, sports cars um, or camper vans in the case of my wife. Um, and, And, you know, but we need to be as excited about some of those things, about God, as some of those other things. Um, so you know, so that we share them with a passion, with a, just a, an interest that, that people sort of say, "Well, tell me, tell me more." Um, we can share our our, our, our um, faith in so many ways. Um, this is just a just a picture of people sitting down having coffee together. Uh, Jill shared with us um, a couple of weeks ago about the work that she's doing in Spectrum um, and, and the way in which that's an opportunity through art to reach out to people who don't know Jesus and to share something of, of the faith that those who are running it have. Uh, and there are many other things that the church is doing, and many ministries in LCBC, reaching out to people. Um, but we too can use opportunities to speak to our friends, our neighbours, our work colleagues, uh, and uh, those that we are, we're painting with, those that we're playing table tennis with, those that we're uh, just meeting for coffee and cake, um, planting seeds, because it's, it's not up to us, it's up to the Holy Spirit to convict them, but it's up to us to share with them the faith that we have. So, in the lives that we, of those that we're seeking to sow seeds, as I said before, it may not seem very much happening for some time, but we should never give up. And we should not stop praying. We should not underestimate the power of God's word to do miraculous things, because we can com- be confident there will be a harvest and God wants it to be an abundant one, and this is a picture of a crowd because I just, you know, just I just get excited when I think that you know you could have that, the, the crowds of of Christian believers that just uh, have given their life to Christ. Um, so let's let's look for an abundant harvest. So just to sum up, um, let's remember that the kingdom of God was always destined to be revealed. And we have the Bible that teaches us and our lived experience of being saved and seeing God working by his Holy Spirit in our lives and those of others. Let's humbly and eagerly receive God's word. Let's be hungry for more of it and see how it can transform our lives and those of others. Let's not give up, but confidently and patiently trust God to work in our lives and in the lives of those that we're sharing the good news with. And let's keep sharing our faith, how wonderful our God is, loving and praying for others and trusting God that there will be an abundant harvest. So just to sum it up, read the Bible, pray more, share the good news, trust God. Let's just pray. Father God, if there is anybody here tonight that doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, we just pray that you would open their hearts to want to let you in. That they might be forgiven for all their sin and be reconciled with you and know the overwhelming love that you have for them. And Father, for those of us that know the Lord Jesus as our Savior, help us to resolve to be hungry for more of your word, to be hungry for more of you. Help us to grow in our knowledge and faith, and to share the good news about Jesus and the kingdom of God to your glory. We ask this in Jesus'
0: name. Amen.